found the Winding Road Podcast, hosted by Jason and Isaac. We're two friends who are sitting in the driveway just chatting about cars over some drinks, while two of our favorite cars are sitting behind us shining in the sun. We never know where the conversation will go, but we hope you join us. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, episode 19 in the books. Jason, what's on your mind tonight? Anything? Um, yeah, I always have a couple of things in mind. Um, last week, you know, uh, I feel like we do more and more car things as the weather gets nicer. Uh, but, you know, sometimes it's difficult with, with work and things like that. But this weekend, Kelsey and I, there was a, a, a car show at um, like a local bar kind of thing. And um, then like a barbecue and some live music. And we had some time to kill before uh, visiting with my sister and her family. So we stopped over there. Um, you know, use your average, your regular, typical muscle cars, things like that. But I did see this little, I sent you a picture of it. It was a 1960 King Midget, mm-hmm. which, which was like a micro car that was built in the 60s. And... And they're all pretty. I've never, you know, they're they're interesting because they're really t- small, like probably smaller than a golf cart. And you know, they had I think nine horsepower engines, like, you know, underpowered. Oh wow! Yeah, but this guy it was in great shape. I started talking to him, and it had um, he had done a Geo Metro swap, the one okay. liter three, the one liter three cylinder. Mm-hmm um which which is pretty cool because it it looked it looked like it belonged there it wasn't like stuffed in there or anything and uh, it had a five-speed manual to it and you know he was like i was i was asking him about it he was he was saying how if there's only one person in the car you know once you get up to like 75 miles an hour the front end starts to lift off like off the ground <laughs> and it gets like real squirrely i don't um, think i'd want to drive that that fast yeah, I wouldn't either. <laughs> but it's cool. It's cool that uh, like someone did that. It's basically like a golf cart, smaller than a golf cart, with you know a little three-cylinder motor in it. This is like a, a Power Wheels size vehicle. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> um, now, I'm so looking it up. They they were built in Ohio. Um, yeah, they had a single-cylinder air-cooled engine. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. So this guy did all the work himself, you know, he was telling me, he was like, oh, you know, there, there's like a thousand members in this, in this like national group of people who own these things. Uh, and he's like, I mean, we take this on road trips and this and that. And it was really, it was actually really cool. It's interesting to see because, you know, I go to cars and coffees, I go to the car shows and mm-hmm. it takes a lot for me to stop and have a conversation with someone. Mm-hmm. Usually I like I you know it's the same it's the same like oh you know that's like you know 454 you have the same people asking the same questions about the same cars that you see all the time so it takes a lot for me to go up to somebody and, and be interested in, in what they had um, so so that was pretty cool and it was interesting something you don't see every day and this guy did it all, like fabricated everything himself which is pretty cool to see as well. Um, so that was really, that was, I guess, the big weekend find. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to talk about is, golf. I, I think golf carts are interesting. So before you move on to golf carts. Yeah. Um, I just was looking a little bit well at this while you were talking about it. Uh-huh. 
I'm completely intrigued because I've never seen one yeah. before, and you had me completely stumped. Yeah. Um, so that's impre- I'm, I'm happy I could stump you because I feel like you're you'd probably know more about the stuff than I do usually. No, you got me. <laughs> um, so apparently they had advertised it for a, as a 500 pound car for 500. dollars mm-hmm. So they started production in 46, 1946, and they actually the first year it was a kit that you had to assemble yourself. And it, clu- it included the chassis, the axles, the steering assembly, springs, an instruction manual, and patterns for the sheet metal for $270 in 1946. And then it would accept any single cylinder engine. So I got mm-hmm. me curious, what is $270 worth in today's money? Mm-hmm. So what, you, what would you buy this kit for if it was a similar thing was available today? Uh-huh. Um, it would be $4,000 today. Wow. Not including the engine. I don't know. I mean, granted, the landscape was a lot different in 1946. But uh-huh. I think if you told someone to assemble like a smart for two, like the smart car, mm-hmm. if you told someone to assemble that and they could buy it for $4,000, I don't think anyone would do it. But also, though, I think that I think that you have to keep in mind the, like, the culture and how people were then. That's true. Because like people now, I like, don't want to do anything. Yeah. And that was, like, it was like a lot of mail order stuff back then that you would assemble and things like that. I've been looking to, I've actually looked for, for kits because I think that'd be so much fun to buy. Like that may, like maybe you save money if you, if you put it together yourself, like I would have mm-hmm. so much fun doing that. And I've looked um, into like, for instance, golf carts, like, you know, a golf cart kit or something. Uh or like a go-kart kit that you build yourself and they just don't exist anymore. Mm. Um, but I think, I think to me, that would be fun. Like a little project. Mm-hmm. So like, would you yeah, want to, like, would you want a golf cart that's like lifted and has big off-road tires on it? Um, or how would you build your golf cart? So, so and what would you I, use I, it for? So I bring it up because my dad has a house in the Poconos. Okay. And for like they've had it since like 87 so a long time and all of a sudden i'm gonna get like a golf cart to like ride around and you know check things out and that kind of thing and a lot of people up there have them so he he got one off something you know i used one off of a neighbor um a couple weeks ago and it happens to have it's lifted it's used it's lifted it's got you know rims and stuff on it but for a little while I had been looking myself like, into this for him and it become very intriguing because of course, like anything else with engines, people soup them up and there's like a whole, it's like a, uh, like subculture of enthusiasts yeah. with, with golf carts. That's a good word. Subculture. Yeah. And, uh, like Harbor Freight, for instance, makes, a, it's called a Predator V-Twin. It's like a uh, four or five or I think it's four or five hundred cc twin cylinder. Mm-hmm. And this other company, Vegas Golf Cart, makes um, like a retrofit kit to fit this Predator motor in into this golf cart. And it basically, you know, ups the power a lot. And then I've been so I joined a couple of Facebook groups just to get some ideas. And I saw some guy swapped like a three cylinder diesel motor with a turbo into a golf car. And like, it's awesome because like fires it up and it's like real clean finish. It's like exhaust pipe on the side. It's like chrome. 
and uh, you know, he turns it on, and it has like the initial puff of black smoke, like a diesel does. It's like a, it's like a little mini car. If you don't have the space, if you have the space to to work on or or customize like a classic car, or even the funds, you know, I feel like a golf cart's cool because you can get this golf cart and work on it and customize it, and they're pretty simple. Like you know, for the most part, they don't have, they don't have like advanced electronics on them. Mm-hmm. So if you have a little bit of handy, you know, like craftsmanship in your blood and you can figure things out, I feel like you can have a lot of fun on a, on a smaller scale than building a date like a Daytona. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I find that interesting. And now that my dad has this little golf cart, and he doesn't really, you know, he, he's entertained by it, but he doesn't really care. Or, or really un, like, know that much about it so i'm like yeah like let's get I'm, I'm looking up kits and stuff and what will probably happen is i'll probably wind up getting this stuff and we'll, we'll get it apart and then this thing won't run <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see but but it's like a huge deal and and um you know in florida they went to um a place called uh the villages in florida and this place it's like miles and miles long and it's like a gigantic community and you don't, people don't even drive cars really in there. They just have golf carts and golf, like $20,000 golf carts. Like people spend a lot of money on these things. And it's like, it's just crazy to me, the level of customization and money and stuff that goes into this culture of golf carts. So I'm finding myself kind of, you know, getting into it a little bit and getting some, you know, and seeing what the deal is with them. It's interesting. How about you? What's going on? What's, uh, how's the week been? So a few months ago, we, uh, you asked me if I ever noticed people trying to race me. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, I don't. I don't really notice that at all. Saturday, I was going for takeout. and oh, From where? What kind uh, of food? A Lebanese place. Was it good? Yeah. Yeah, we nice. go there all the time. We get, nice. we're, they know our order because we always get like, several orders of falafel and extra like garlic sauce. And uh, we order almost the same thing every time. It's nice. You know, so, That's awesome. um, so I'm on my way back and the, the road I take to work um, when it gets to one of the highways, it becomes two lanes and mm-hmm. then the, it crosses under the highway and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm heading the opposite way and I'm in two lane area and this blue Tesla Model 3 gets beside me. And she was actually behind me originally when it was single lane, because it goes single lane, dual lane, single lane. Mm-hmm. And then she gets beside me at the one light. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Well, the light turns green and she she must have floored it or at least like 70% throttle because she was gone. And I started accelerating quickly because at first I'm like, I don't want to be behind her like mm-hmm. on when it becomes single lane. And I also was just enjoying the car because it was a nice day. Well, I was about up to 5,000 RPM in first wow. gear. And I realized she's still pulling on me. What am I doing? It's an electric car. Most electric cars are most combustion engine cars cannot beat an electric car. It's just how it is because off the line torque. I'm like, mm-hmm. I should just stop trying to get around her because I'm just going to embarrass myself. So I let her go. 
and whatever. And then I get behind her and I continue to follow her the whole way home. She was like, her, she turned into a driveway like a quarter mile from my driveway. Mm-hmm. The kicker was after she got in front of me, she did exactly the speed limit the whole way. That's probably so, why you didn't want her in front of you. It's not like she was going to do like five or 10 over the speed limit and yeah. she thought I was going to hold her up. No, right. she just, she had to get around me for some reason. Maybe she was just having fun. And then I get stuck behind her because I don't do exactly the speed limit on that road when I'm driving. And so it was yeah. frustrating for me. And the, the weird part was she was like a 70 something year old woman. Wow. I'm like, really lady? Like what, what's your deal? Are you just trying to prove that your electric car is cooler or something like that? But maybe, Oh man. So that's annoying you, though. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, it could have been worse. It could have been a Prius. They they always do less than a speed limit, almost always. Um, but there's no way a Prius would have pulled on that. No, in your car. no, I would have won that one. Yeah. But a, a pure electric car, they they, you know, they're usually faster than me. Um, I know I mentioned yeah. it to you. I sent you a text message about it. And you're like, well, did you did you beat her? And while I knew the answer was no, I'm like, I'm curious how far off it would have been. So if you get the model three performance um they do a zero zero to 60 in 3.1 seconds wow and i don't think most of the performance model i think most of them are the long range and the dual motor um so let's call it four seconds three and a half four seconds um my car's published zero to 60 time in 2006 is 4.8 seconds mm-hmm. so she would have obliterated me uh, I don't think a, a Cayman is getting anywhere close. The closest Cayman you could probably find currently is a 2017 Cayman S, which shows a 3.6 second, uh, 0 to 60. 3.6? Yeah. That's good. Or the current GTS, Cayman GTS 3.4, the GT4 3.3. So you have to have a current Cayman that is over $100,000 to be faster than, than this Tesla. But again, they're apples and oranges, like electric versus combustion engine. Yeah. You know, it's two different worlds. You can't compare them at all. It's like trying to compare towing of a diesel engine versus a gas engine. There's no comparison or it's hard to compare them because they just do different things better than each other. So right. what, what do you think the, uh, the value of that model three was um i think most of them are specced around 50 55 like when they were first introduced they were saying it was going to be under forty thousand dollars so like Mm -hmm. 39,999 but Mm -hmm. that's for rear wheel drive only that's for the small battery that's for no options and standard paint Mm -hmm. um if you add a, a paint other than black if you add the dual motor, if you add the bigger battery and other, you know, all the self-driving or the semi-autonomous stuff, you're, you know, you're in the 50s at least. So, the Model 3, is that the smaller one? Yeah, that's their... The, mo- the, 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 the Model S is like the normal one that they started with, right? Yeah, so the Model S is like a, an A7 size or like, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit bigger than an A6 or a, a mm-hmm. BMW 5 Series. They actually, if you get the certain option, you can have um, two reverse facing seats in the trunk. So it can actually be a seven seater in the Model S. 
Really? Yeah, like you know how the old wagons in the eighties had like reverse yeah. facing seats and yeah, it's like yes. That. Interesting. That and I think they do it in the Model X and the Model Y also. Um, so technically they're seven seaters, but not really because you don't want to put anybody back there. It's a joke. Yeah, right. Interesting. I saw um, while we're on EVs, I saw I didn't read the article, but um, there was something. There was a study done on electric vehicles and how towing something affects their range. Hmm. And just reading you know, the title, it didn't seem like it was good. Like, like it drastically reduces like, considerably what your, what your range would be if you're towing something. Because mm-hmm. they have a lot of these electric trucks coming out. You know, it's like right. a big deal. It's like, oh, buy a Ford Lightning pickup truck for hundred and whatever thousand dollars it is and mm-hmm. tow your camper with it and power that too. Um, yeah. And that's one thing that I hear a lot of about um, people that are new to electric cars uh, mm-hmm. and sales are, isn't going to tell you this, but mm-hmm. the, the range that they estimate uh, you're probably never going to see it because you know, a lot of cars adapt to, or not even adapt, but the, the electric car, all of the things the car does is based on that battery pack. So the more stuff you run, the quicker mm-hmm. it's going to deplete. If you do mm-hmm. heated seats, if you use mm-hmm. the, um, if you heat the, heat the car, if you run the air conditioning, if you um, drive high speed, like 85, 90 miles an hour, all that stuff reduces your range. And mm-hmm. you don't really think about it when it's 12 degrees outside, your range is going to drop. And so all of these things combined, all of a sudden you're looking at 75 miles less range. Um, you know, and it kind of changes the game a little bit. Towing is another one. You know, it's something that obviously, I mean, you use more gas when you're towing, you're going to use more electricity when you're towing. It's just how it works. Um, yeah. But people, are they have a different fear about it because they can't just stop at a gas station and fill up in five minutes. It takes, you know, even on, at the highest speed charging stations, you're still looking at least a half hour to charge. Is that like the super, like, I know, I don't know much about this stuff, but I know that Tesla has a supercharger things. And again, I just happened to see it again. I, um, something popped up on social media somewhere, and it was saying that Tesla is trying to build like a supercharging station with with like a uh, an outdoor um, like movie theater, like drive-in style movie mm. theater, so you can pull in and you know plug in and watch a movie, which is great. But like, that's not. I don't know. I just don't think like, like we talked about this in a couple episodes before where the infrastructure, it's not just like you can, you can fill up and, you know, stop your car and, and fill up, you know, in, in three minutes, your, your tank. But if all these people are driving electric cars and they have to sit there for a half an hour to mm-hmm. charge, where are all these people going to go? There's going to be lines for these things. And that's best case scenario. Like for example, you know, we're not in, you and I are not in the middle of nowhere. We're in a mm. moderately dense area. You know, it's mm. it's suburban. It's, you know, 
semi-urban and stuff like that. Like it's, it's a very high traffic area, so to speak. Right. And if you go to, so VW and Audi's um, network that they helped create, and I think Ford uses it as well, Electrify America. If you go to their website and look where I live, for example, there are, I think, two chargers around and they are not high speed chargers. They're the slowest charger. So it's equivalent to charging at home on a 110 volt outlet which means mm-hmm. your charge time is going to be a day and a half. Jeez. And so if you look at the map in the Philadelphia area, there might be one charger that is like a 18 kilowatt hour, which means your charge time on the average car is going to be eight hours. Jeez. And so like high speed charging is 140, 200, 250 kilowatts an hour. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, but I would guess there's less than 50 of those in the country. And those are the ones that'll charge the average car to like, you know, in a half hour or 45 minutes. And so the odds of finding one that's not going to charge your day in your car in a day and a half is very unlikely. So you have to, it's going to, it's going to take a lot of planning for, for these EV drivers to, they're really going to, you're not going to be able to just jump in the car. And I'm going like, to fill up before my trip. You, you have to plan, okay, I'm going to be driving somewhere. I know my battery is mm-hmm. going to be, you know, this amount full. We have to plug in for that. Well, most electric cars in their navigation can, you can put in, you know, when you put in your destination, a lot of them will calculate when you're going to need to stop mm-hmm. and where there's going to be a charging station. And that's great and all, but you, if you're just looking up yourself, it's not like looking at Google Maps and saying, oh, there's, you know, there's a Sunoco around me. There's an Exxon. There's a Wawa. There's, you know, a, um, a 7-Eleven. You know, you can go with all of those and there's going to be uh, 87 octane there. There's going to be 89 or 91 octane. There's going to be whatever, you mm-hmm. know. When you, go, when you see one of those charging stations on the map, you don't know if it's going to be a 1.5 kilowatt charger or an 18 kilowatt charger or 150 kilowatt charger. Some of them tell you, but if you do find one, you're probably not going to be the only person looking for that high-speed charger. So you're probably going to have to wait. And I'm assuming that all these EVs are, you know, using the same connector. Nope. Wow. So how does that work? That's the other thing. They're not standardized. Only Teslas can use the Tesla superchargers. And while most Tesla charging stations are superchargers and will charge the car re- relatively quickly, if you are want someone who doesn't want a Tesla for whatever reason, like you want the Mach-E or you want a Rivian or mm-hmm. whatever, you got to find one that's on a different network. And that's when you run into the problem where you don't know what speed charger you're going to get. So this is where we need to create some type of universal connector that people can hook up to these Tesla superchargers and then we can sell that. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's adapters. Actually, there may not be adapters, but that's one thing, like being in America, a lot of stuff is left up to private in private, the private sector, like, you know, developing this, like, and patenting it and doing stuff like that. And right. that's great. But there are certain, some things that should be standardized, like, 
you know, yeah. gas pumps are all the same size. Right. Diesel pumps are a different size. But other than that, yeah. they're all the same size. Right. You know, vehicle chargers should all be the same size, shape, pins, and everything like that. Yeah. You know, and there's kind of like two standards now. There's a Tesla design and a lot of them are going to the similar design where it's like a circular plug and then the high speed uh, DC chargers have like a two pin there at the bottom. But that's something I think should be standardized across the automotive industry. I bet you, it, I bet you as we get further into this, um, one day it will be. Because it makes sense that it would, you know, like how can you expect people to be able to locate these? You know what I mean? It's just like there's a lot of. Well, I think some of the stations have multiple plugs. Mm. So you just plug in the one, almost like if you've ever seen on Amazon, you can get like a charging cable and it'll have like mm -hmm. four ends on it. You know, yeah, like yeah. there's the lightning connector, there's USB-C, there's USB uh, micro and USB mini and stuff like that all in the same cord. Some mm. of the start charging stations are like that where you just find the one that fits to your car. Mm. Um, I still don't like it. I'm against it. Internal combustion only. <laughs> wow, this episode has gone by quickly. Um, we're going to leave it there. Thanks again for joining us, everyone. You can reach us by email at windingroadspodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram. You can send us a photo there or tag us at Winding Roads Podcast. We look forward to hearing from you and having you tag us there. And as always, if you could rate us and review us on your favorite podcast app, uh, we really appreciate it. That way, elder people can find this, this uh, podcast as well. Um, until then, enjoy the drive.